Hello and welcome back to another episode of the DFS Today podcast and The Advantage. I am your host, Michael Fiddle. Today is Thursday, December 29th, which means today's episode is going to review the Week 17 NFL DFS slate. But before we get to that, today's actually a loaded podcast. Before we get to that, I need to say happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Thank you to you guys for tuning in. I hope you guys are spending time with your family hopefully enjoying some time off of work, taking some more time to yourself, had a Merry Christmas, getting ready for the New Year's, of course, stuffing your face with all of this comfort food before eventually getting to January 1st and waking up being like, what the hell did I do to myself the last two weeks? New Year's resolution is to get into the gym. We have to prepare for the New Year's resolution to remind us to get back in the gym. So get your calories in now, Sit down on your couch, watch some good football, put in some bets, throw in a DFS lineup, and eat up. Hopefully, we'll be eating um, metaphorically in a betting and winning sense, too. Um, As always, let me remind you guys to follow me on Twitter, at mfiddle14, to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. And I need to do some quick housekeeping about the upcoming schedule. This is going to be a big sentence here. This will be the last NFL episode of the regular season. Now, I did not really expect that to be the case coming in and preparing for this podcast, but I'm realizing now the following things. First off, this week 17 slate provides some very obvious roster locks. And for that reason, I can give you the core four today. Like I said, loaded podcast. We are doing best bets. We are doing a full slate breakdown, and you will even get a core four. The second thing, week 18 is a total crapshoot in DFS. Teams are resting players left and right. There are random guys who are minimum spend and get full snaps who we've never heard of. It doesn't present the best opportunity to plan ahead, to talk about it on a podcast, to know the right plays ahead of time. So I will not be potting or playing any Week 18 DFS. However, you will hear from me next week or so on this feed because I will be joining some of the NBA guys to discuss some of those slates. I said when football would wrap up, I'd open myself to doing more NBA content And it seems that time is coming. So I'm very excited about that since I am a basketball junkie and a hoops addict. Uh, Lastly, we are doing playoff slates. I know I said this is the last episode of the regular season. I want to emphasize that. We are doing playoff betting. We are doing playoff DFS slates. We are doing playoff DFS showdown single game lineups. And... Thus, we will discuss those all on this podcast feed, so have no fear. There will be plenty of more NFL episodes, probably six to eight more total this season. I guess it's not that many. Wow, this is really wrapping up quick. Um, But there will definitely be as many as we need to get you guys the information for the slates that I end up playing. Okay, that's enough housekeeping. I feel like I rambled a bit there. Let's move on and talk some Week 17 football. Before we start talking about best bets in the Thursday night game is how I, how I always start out the Thursday show, there's a few things I need to make clear 
as we approach the end of the season and we talk about end of season betting. One, needing a win does not mean you will win. Simple as that. In the NFL, if you need a win to get into the playoffs and you're playing against a team that does not need a win for anything, in fact, it needs a loss for a better draft pick, that means nothing. Needing a win doesn't mean you will win. I've seen it too many times. I've seen so many public people just bet into the team that needs the dub. It's not the right angle. Second, you will hear over the next week, so-and-so team has nothing to play for. That is, mm, I really want, it's bullshit. It's freaking, I really want to go off on that. It is the most aggravating thing I've ever heard when people say there's nothing to play for or this team doesn't have anything to play for, so they're going to rest their guys. Okay, let's use this Titans-Cowboys game tonight, for example. I actually just retweeted this. Let's use this tweet. Dr. Jesse Morse, who is a very famous Twitter NFL fantasy doctor. I'm sure you guys, if you follow me on Twitter, you may follow him as well. Shout out Morse. I'm endorsing him. Okay. He tweeted, I didn't expect Titans Derrick Henry. Rather, I don't expect Titans Derrick Henry to play tonight, but it's not because of his injury to its hip. It's because the Titans don't have anything to play for this week. They're saving him for the division deciding matchup next week against the Jaguars. Hassan Haskins is an RB2 flex play. Now, I agree with a lot of that, but some of that really bothers me. I agree Derrick Henry's probably not playing tonight. I agree it's probably not because of the hip. I agree Derrick Henry doesn't have much to play for. I agree with what the Titans' goals are this season. It might be beneficial to rest Derrick Henry. But if you think the Titans don't have anything to play for this week and the people on the field aren't going to be playing to put the best film that they can on tape, to have these backups have their name known, to be able to get snaps on an NFL field, to have momentum to go into the offseason, to get new contracts, to join other teams, to stay on the Titans, to prove to the next GM because they just fired their GM that they should be a core piece of this team. The Titans players have plenty to play for. They're also on a freaking four-game losing streak that they need to snap. I also think playing a backup quarterback in Malik Willis in this quote-unquote nothing-to-play-for game means they are going to try things a little bit new with their offense. There will be new wrinkles, more trick plays, things that they are going to test out for when they get their buttons pressed next week against the Jaguars. So, I expect the Titans to actually play with a lot of energy tonight. I saw the spread. I jumped in on the spread at plus 10 when the line first came out because I thought it was too big. This team is very well coached. They they are going to show up motivated. They are on a big losing streak, and they're in a short week game. So, I liked taking that amount of points in what's generally ugly, short week, low scoring games. I simply thought the spread was too much. The spread has climbed to 12 and a half. Now that's a reaction to guys like Henry. I don't think he's worth two and a half points, but it's a reaction to him being out and things like that. And also just the influence of the whole betting market thinking 
The Titans don't have anything to play for. Again, absolute bullshit. The Titans players have a lot to play for. Hassan Haskins is going to try his heart out to have his Deontay Foreman 128 yards and three touchdown games and put himself on the map. Right? Did Foreman not start out as Henry's handcuff? And what's Deontay Foreman doing right now? Making his way onto a lot of DFS rosters and winning slates. Winning fantasy championships for people riding the Panthers. Earning himself more NFL contracts in the foreseeable future after being very injury-ridden and injury-plagued in his early career where people wouldn't really take a chance on him. But he is balling out because he got his opportunity. So these opportunities mean a lot to these guys. Deontay Foreman is making millions of more dollars because of how he played simply as Derrick Henry's handcuff to afford him these opportunities to continue his success. So you have a, that opportunity for Haskins. You have that opportunity for Malik Willis. Remember Tannehill? You know, the Titans gave Tannehill a big opportunity, and he completely took advantage of it and moved out the starter before him. Who was that? Mariota? So not only do we have examples all throughout the NFL of this happening, we have examples on this very team with the players that still play for them. So I think Morse, great Twitter follow. Very important for fantasy. I agree. Haskins, good play. I agree. Save Derrick Henry for the matchup. I simply disagree with the whole, the team doesn't have anything to play for. And he writes, the Titans don't have anything to play for this week. That, that part doesn't resonate with me. And then I saw the coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars, Doug Peterson, who's, I guess, in the same situation as the Titans because everything is hinged on this Week 18 Jaguars-Titans game, that Doug Peterson was asked about something about resting players, and he says he will not be resting his players because there is never a meaningless game Quote, never, ever, ever. Doug Peterson getting a lot of love, sliding up the ranks of coach of the year and giving us a quote that there is no meaningless game ever, ever, ever. Take that into consideration. For tonight's Thursday night game, I will be on the Titans plus 10. I would recommend Titans plus 12 and a half where it is right now. I kind of lean towards the over at 39 and a half. Um... Because I do think the Titans are going to try new things. I do think they're going to give this Cowboys team some looks that they couldn't necessarily prepare for because they're going to be new wrinkles in the offense. They don't have much tape on Malik Willis or Hassan Haskins and what that kind of offense looks like. So I expect the Titans to be able to move the ball, kick a few field goals. Titans secondary generally gets shredded. So maybe we get a good DAC game. I like the over 39 and a half. I like the Titans plus 12 and a half. Generally, those are not correlated things because you wouldn't take the plus points and the over. You would take the team to cover the spread if there was going to be less scoring in the game. However, because of the way that the rosters are constructed for this game, I like the over and I like the Titans. I won't reiterate it too much. Let's move on and talk about some other spots for this week. I'm going to go through some other Games in the betting card that I have some bets on. If I do not discuss a game that you want me to hit on, reach out to me on Twitter at mfiddle14. 
and I will let you know what the sharp action side is on, where the line opened, where it's moved, what the betting splits are. Happy to provide all of that. I'm not going to go through every single game. I'm just going to go through the ones that I have exposure on myself. I jumped in on the Panthers plus three and the Panthers money line plus 150. There has been huge money coming in on the Panthers. Massive movement in this line. It provides to be a pretty good teaser leg. Obviously, if it, if it goes down to plus two and a half, then it provides to be a great teaser leg. Panther, I just don't think this Bucks team is blowing anyone out. So if you get it up to plus nine, I like it. Um, so I am backing the Panthers. And I also think this bet is a good uh, example of line shopping. I have accounts at both FanDuel and DraftKings. FanDuel has the plus three line. At a minus 104 VIG, so instead of the minus 110 that you normally pay when you're playing a spread, I'm only paying minus 104, so I'm saving six cents on every dollar I bet there. But on DraftKings, the money line is plus 150, whereas on FanDuel, it's plus 148. So I'm betting the money line on DraftKings. I'm betting the spread on FanDuel. I'm saving six cents on every dollar on the spread, and I'm winning two cents on every dollar more on the money line, simply by having multiple accounts and just taking advantage of the same line at different odds and taking the better odds that more favor my side of the bet. So good little example of why you should have multiple accounts and multiple sports books, even if you're betting the same amount, even if your you know total bankroll throughout all of your accounts is still adding up to the same sum. You know, if you have $1,000 in one account, take out 500 and put it in a different site. So that way you can get access to multiple lines. Another game that I'm on is the Falcons. I am on Falcons minus three. We are seeing 53% of the bets on the Arizona Cardinals, but 61% of the money on Atlanta. Bigger bets are on Atlanta. The public is on Arizona. I expect this to be a nice run-heavy game. For the Falcons, a big Tyler Algier game. The Frisky Falcons, I was calling them early in the season, have simply been able to move the ball all season long. The Arizona Cardinals have not. The Arizona Cardinals defense has not been great. Sans having Byron Murphy be a shutdown number one corner. And that doesn't stop the run game of the Falcons, right? They don't really throw much. So this situationally sets up well for the Falcons. I am on the Falcons minus three. I want to point out that the Lions-Bears total is at 52.5. It is, I think, the highest total on the board. I don't have any plays on that game. We are in the Dome uh, in Detroit. The Bears were controlling that game just a few weeks ago for like 90% of the game until they blew it late in the fourth quarter, and the Lions had a nice uh, comeback victory. Again, no bets in it, but I do want to say that since it's that total – It's definitely the spot to target for DFS for cash games. If you're playing 50-50s, if you're playing double-ups, you want to play into some of these chalk plays that are going to be coming from this game. Guys like Swift, guys like Amon Ra, people on the Lions that have been played consistently all season are going to be played again in Week 17. I'm pretty sure we're going to be joining them. Okay, there's massive steam on the Giants I think it line opened at three and a half. It's all the way up to five and a half, which is a big spread for the Giants to cover. Uh, I'm not betting it. I just wanted to mention like massive steam on the New York Giants. Some betters that I do really trust and appreciate their opinions 
are jumping on the Giants, even at the five and a half. So I'm not playing it, but I understand it. And I'm a Giants fan, and I hope they make the playoffs. So go Big Blue, go G-Men. Uh, Jets minus five, 1.5. Not 5. Minus 1.5. Gang Green. I will be riding the Jets again. Screwed me last week uh, against the Jaguars on that money line bet for half unit that I had, but I did still hit on the one unit under 39.5 last Thursday. They're coming off 10 days rest. Yes, they do have a tough cross-country travel to Seattle, but we are seeing Seattle's defense start to really struggle. We are seeing Seattle start to fall out of the playoff picture. We are seeing Jets return Mike White. Uh, so a lot of reasons to back the Jets. The best unit in this game is the Jets defense. I like the Jets minus 1.5. It seemed to be one of the fishier lines that dropped when the lines first came out. It has stayed put. So my eyebrows are raised and I'm betting into it. Jets minus 1.5. Vikings Packers. I am not a fan of the Packers. I was on the Dolphins last week. Yeah, lost. Not a big deal. Uh, Vikings right now are plus three at even bet. Vikings have been getting no love in the sports book. The sports book simply hates the Vikings. They are the luckiest team in the NFL. I heard a joke that uh, the casinos won't let Kevin O'Connell, the coach of the Vikings, in there because he's the luckiest man and he's robbing them blind because people keep backing the Vikings. They keep the books keep fading them because of the DVOA metrics, because of the advanced analytics showing that they're not that good of a team. But somehow, the Vikings have won 11 straight one-score games. This team is 11 and what, 3? 11 and 4, whatever it is. And they have a point differential on the season of plus 2. They've outscored their opponents. If you add up... How many points they've scored versus how many points they've allowed the entire season with 11 wins. And let me double check their Vikings record. Twelve wins and three losses. I was wrong saying 11 and four. Twelve wins and three losses and their net rating is plus two. So, Mike, you keep shitting on the Lions. I mean, Vikings, but you're recommending them. I just not into the to the Packers. I understand they're starting to get healthy, but this defense, starting to get healthy on offense, but this defense is really young and really hasn't been up to expectations this season. So if we do get to the point where we get the Vikings plus 3.5 and you get the hook, then I think I might jump in. At the plus 3 where it's at now, it's a no bet for me. But if you look at the odds and the way the VIG is changing, it's now minus 120 to bet the minus 3. It's plus 100 to bet the plus 3. So you could likely see that to shift to minus 110 on each side and being a 3.5 point spread. If it gets to that 3.5, I might jump in on the Vikings. Chargers minus 7 is another bet that I'm in. It's at 6.5 now, so you guys can get half a point. Better of a line than me if you haven't bet it yet, and I would still recommend it. Chargers are rolling. Rams, absolutely dominant performance last week against uh, the Broncos. The, the end of Nathaniel Hackett game, the Baker Mayfield special. They scored 51 points. Uh, Broncos looked incredibly disinterested. They were fighting on the sidelines. I don't think the competition level's the same. 
And I think it was a little bit of lightning in a bottle, like twice for Baker so far. So I'm willing to fade it. We faded Baker when we took the Packers two weeks ago. We're fading Baker again this week. Maybe he's one week on, one week off. So we will remember not to bet the Rams in week 18. Put Chargers minus seven for week 17. I am in. And my last bet of the week so far that I have right now is Bills minus one at the maximum exposure. 3.3 units to win three. Bills minus one sets up to be a great spot for Monday night. Cincinnati Bengals are dealing with a lot of injuries. Line, super fishy. Being Bill's favorite on the road in Cincinnati while Cincinnati's this hot. Uh, and then the spread moves to minus 1.5. So we get even more movement to the Bills. Even though we're having action on the Bengals. Reverse line movement, my favorite thing to see on a team that I love. Maximum exposure. Bills minus one is my favorite NFL bet we've seen in quite a few weeks. Uh, it is one of the few spots that I've done maximum exposure this season. I think I've only done it one other time on a Patriots plus three and, and, and they won outright. I believe that's the case. Definitely been some other two-unit spots that we've won and lost, but a three-unit max exposure bet. This is the second one of the season. Let's hope to hit it. Bills minus one against the Cincinnati Bengals. Monday night football. For all, for all the marbles of the AFC, and I guess for all the marbles of my bankroll. All right, let's move on and discuss the DFS space for the Week 17 slate. I am going to pull it up. We'll start with the quarterbacks. We are going to go through it position by position. I could talk about quarterbacks because of I can go name by name, but this is one of the ones where it's just super obvious who I'm playing, and it's Jared Goff. I am playing Jared Goff. He is core four. You could say it right now. You could lock it in. Highest total on the board, 52 and a half. At home in the dome that he loves to play in. Going against the Chicago Bears. And quote unquote, needing a win when the Bears don't need to win. Yeah, sure. That doesn't really as much mean, doesn't mean that much to me. I just know that the, like, Lions are going to play until the final whistle. That's all it means. So he's going to get as many opportunities as he needs to exceed his $5,600 price tag makes absolutely no sense to me. So, I mean, we have Mahomes 8,500 against Denver. I don't like it against Denver. You have Fields 7,900. It was on the other side of the field of this game. I'd rather golf uh, for $2,300 cheaper. You have Herbert who's going up against the Rams. That might be a slower moving game. The Rams run a ton. Uh, shout out Cam Akers and his three touchdowns. So you don't like to play the quarterback going against a run-heavy team. Not even going to mention Jalen Hurts or Tua because of the injuries. Kirk Cousins on the road in Lambeau. No thanks. Uh, Trevor Lawrence in a game that doesn't really matter. Like, no. Uh, they may like they may give Lawrence his reps and then get him out early if it's a bad game script or there's one bad hit or something like that. He's going to play. They're going to try. It is a meaningful game for everyone on the field, but I don't want to play into it for DFS. So it's really just beyond obvious uh, that Jared Goff is the right choice here. You could maybe choose Danny Dimes because the steam on the Giants. You could maybe choose Gardner Minshew again. He's only $100 cheaper 
than Jared Goff. We played Minshew last week because he was way too cheap. He was backup priced. Now he's low-end starter priced. Uh, you could still play him because he's pretty good. You could play Mike White, 5,400, because of the sharp action on the Jets backing the uh, Jets in Seattle against the Seahawks. And the volume for Mike White has always been very high. The guy throws like 45, 50 passes. But again, coming off the rib injury, we don't know how sore he is. or We know he was cleared, but we don't know how affected he is. So I am going to be playing Jared Goff. It is core. That is the quarterback review. Let's talk about running backs. Both of my running backs seem to be locks already, too. It provides me great pleasure to announce my first core running back to bring him back into the fold. Y'all know him as Lenny Cornette. The streets know him as Lenny Fournette. But on the DFS Today pod, Cornette is our guy. Leonard Cornette against the Carolina Panthers. The volume just continues to be there. The pass catching work is also there. He had, what, let's see, 20 rush attempts last game and 10 targets. 30 running back opportunities. And he's priced at 5600 That's highway robbery. Put Cornette back in my lineup. I'm glad to see him back on the final week that we played DFS for the regular season. It is only right that me and this podcast feed and you guys that rode Cornette early this season, we certainly took some time off in the middle of the season from him, but we are back on the Lenny bandwagon. Another one who's been a consistent regular around here is the Swiffer sweeper himself, DeAndre Swift. I just think the same way that Goff presents great game script, high total, passing work, like DeAndre Swift is should get his opportunities this game. I know it's been a roller coaster with him, but again, uh, we had 17 opportunities both of the last two games. So if he's getting that kind of work again against the Chicago Bears, who suck against the run, who have a high point total, and he also catches in a full point PPR, lock in DeAndre Swift for me. Uh, and then finally, I mean, let's actually, let's discuss some other running backs because this is a full slate breakdown. Travis Etienne is another name that I really like at his respective price. I would avoid guys who have already clinched their division like uh, McCaffrey. Eckler in a game where the Rams might run a lot and, again, Chargers clinched a playoff spot and can't really move up the standings too much. I don't love buying into that. Uh, the Giants with Saquon, I think that this could be a prime Saquon explosion bounce back spot. I'm fine with that. Josh Jacobs, after his emotional meltdown last game and against the San Francisco defense, I don't think I'm in on. Uh, Nick Chubb. Washington's front is elite. I don't think I'm in there. James Conner, the usage is just extraordinary. So uh, he missed Wednesday's walkthrough with an illness. That doesn't uh, scare me too much. I think he should be fine in playing, and if so, I really like him. If Aaron Jones is out for this game, I know he missed uh, practice Wednesday. He's also dealing with some knee stuff. Didn't I think he potentially had – did he have a concussion thing? 
last game. I forget why he was knocked out of the game, but for any reason, he was knocked out of the game last week against the Dolphins. If he doesn't play this week, obviously that opens the door for A.J. Dillon to come in and be a strong value play. Ramondre Stevenson in a game where the Patriots really need and they're holding on hopes. I think this could be a great Ramondre game. I don't like him more than my other two guys at his price tag at 6800 I think it's a little bit too pricey considering where Fournette and Swift are. I just think the value there is crazy. But that's got to be a name that you point out. Uh, Miles Sanders. If Hertz is not playing, maybe Sanders finally gets a lot of work. Deontay Foreman coming off a massive game. Maybe. Uh, Deion Jackson, is he finally going to get the work? Is Zach Boss going to get the work? Tyler Algier is a name that I mentioned I already loved. Brian Robinson Jr. gets clear volume. Jamal Williams gets clear volume. Those guys are a bit touchdown dependent. Um, Those are the guys that I'm really looking at. Yeah. I am playing Swift and Fournette. But those are the names that I find hold the most value. At wide receiver, I am playing Justin Jefferson. He is my last core piece. 9500 It is incredibly pricey. But considering the other three core players fill skill positions and are all like 5600 5600 5300 we have spent up money for J.J., He is playing in a big game in a big spot. We know the Packers offense is getting healthy, so maybe they'll put up points and then force the Vikings to have to put up points themselves. I said the Packers defense is questionable. Like I just, I questioned the skill of that unit. I questioned the experience of that young unit. So getting, you know, one of the best receivers in Jefferson, he has an opportunity to absolutely feast in this game. I also love, Amon Ra, probably playing him. Uh, I'll probably make it work with my lineup to play three Lions. Uh, let's see. Who else do I really like on this slate? I mean, De- Devonta Smith has just been on absolute tear. I don't know if I'd go back to it with Minchu, but clearly that was his target. And if Lattimore is guarding A.J. Brown, then Smith should be open again. Jerry Judy's been killing it recently. Every single game. He's been really good. He's going against KC where he had three touchdowns against last game. So I actually really like Judy. Mike Evans is in the same range as Judy. I think generally uh, cash games, you'd play Judy. GPPs, you'd go up and play Evans because of that, you know, bomb touchdown upside that he does have. And the red zone, you know, he's just a monster in the red zone. So even though Judy had three touchdowns against KC last time, Mike Evans in every game has more touchdown upside than a guy like Jerry Judy. Um, let's see. Is Debo out? Maybe Ayuk makes for a good play. Christian Watson's been on absolute tear and finds a great matchup against the Minnesota Vikings at home. Um, Zay Jones has been consistent as hell, but you don't know if you want to play into the Jacksonville angle because of the importance of the game. Let me just clarify that one more time. I know I'm going on a tangent about this. The game is incredibly important to whoever's on the field. And I think from a betting perspective, you need to remember that whoever's on the field is going to be giving it 110%, 120%. And someone who's gotten less opportunity throughout the course of the season, who might be getting more opportunity late in the season because the, the game does hold you know, 
below average important weight to the outcome of this particular season, yeah, you might not get the same snap count for a guy like Zay Jones. And therefore, you might not want to play into it for DFS. But for betting, it doesn't matter what the snap counts are. It matters what the score at the end of the game is. So we're betting spreads and totals. This is not props. So for that reason, remember that whoever, if Zay Jones were to take a few less snaps, whoever replaces him is going balls to the wall. All right? All right, I'll move on from that. Jacoby Myers, I like him. I always like Jacoby in a full point PPR. The Miami Dolphins are reeling right now, and uh, Mac Jones and Jacoby have always had a strong rapport. So at 5000 I think it's a fair price on a game that could be higher scoring than we expect. Donovan Peoples-Jones, he's been like surprisingly really good. 4700 is really cheap. Uh, Isaiah Hodgins of the Giants has been a touchdown machine. If we're following steam on the Giants, we could look to him. We could look to a guy like Richie James. I would wonder which uh, Houston Texans receivers are playing. Is this a game where we can go back to a Chris Moore type of situation? Um what was Renfro's usage last? Seven targets for Renfro last game. I like him. He should be way too cheap. He's seven targets, really reliable, and a red zone hog, and he's going against uh, the San Francisco 49ers, who put up a lot of points, so expect the Raiders to need to score two. It's kind of a close town rival for them, the Bay to Vegas, so I expect uh, Renfro to get some good usage. Make sure Derek Carr is playing in that game. Let me go over to the optimizers. There's a lot of Garrett Wilson, a lot of uh, Corey Davis in the optimizers because of the price tag and because of the steam on the Jets. A lot of Tyler Conklin in the uh, tight end spot. A lot of Evan Ingram in the tight end spot for the DFS optimizers. You guys know me. I play a lot of cash games. I play into the optimizer plays quite often. I am backing the Jets right now. I'm not giving out Conklin as a core guy, but he's likely my tight end. Let's just be honest about it. 2,900 with Mike White against a team that struggles defensively. It it presents a good opportunity. Coming off the mini buy, 10 days rest, like Tyler Conklin. And for defense, I mean, this 49ers defense under $3,000. I don't know why that's the case. Like, I don't know why the Eagles are $4,000. I don't know why the Giants are 3900 And the best team that we've seen play defense in many of years is 2900 So, I said I liked the Renfro play against going against the Raiders. Not if you're playing the 49ers defense. Uh, also, if Derek Carr is not playing, because I think it's questionable right now whether he does play. Um, at that point... It becomes very obvious. Oh, update. Carr will step away from the Raiders for the remainder of the regular season in order to avoid being a distraction for the team. Per Ian Rappaport of NFL Network, Carr replaces the starting quarterback by Jared Stidham, isn't part- slated to participate in practices over the final two weeks, and his absence will be listed as non-injury related. I take back what I said about Renfro, and now I'm making a core five, and we are playing the 49ers defense. All right. That wraps up this week's episode. That wraps up the entire regular season for me on the DFS Today podcast doing NFL coverage. 
it has been an absolute pleasure for me to do that. I have loved getting some of the feedback. I have loved getting your questions. I have loved seeing your lineups. I have loved seeing some wins. I think we've done really well. Personally, I am up over $1,400 simply doing uh, DFS for this season on the NFL. I've been tracking it because we've been doing this podcast. I play $80 a week in cash game lineups. I play a $15 tournament. We've hit massive in the tournament uh, twice. We've hit in the other tournament a few other times. We've cashed probably most weeks. And we, through 17 weeks of playing $95 a week, have made $1,400. The return is insane. We are crushing it. Thank you guys for keeping me sharp, for making me guys put in this hard work because it's making me profitable and it's making me a winner too. So we are doing this as a family plays. We will continue to do it uh, in basketball over the next few days, in football, throughout the playoffs, and then we will see what the future brings. It has been an absolute joy again for me. Thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at mfiddle14. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. And as always, peace out. Remember, I won't be back for week 18. I'll miss you guys. I hope you don't miss me too much. Deuces.